Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Like Jonah in the Bible, our special guest, Troy Gooderan, found himself running from God. However, he found out that he was not able to outrun God's love for him. Pastor Troy, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for having me. Troy, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your family, their influence in your life. So I grew up in a, a small town, Hudson Bay, uh, which is about four and a half hours, little, I guess, over four hours uh, northeast of Regina. And um, from Hudson Bay, the farm that we grew up on was just south of Hudson Bay, 10, 10 miles or so. So it was just a 10 minute drive into town. But um, yeah, I was, I grew up as um, a farm kid and uh, loved the outdoors, fishing, hunting. Um, in fact, like after school, I would uh, jump on the, the quad and I would, I would drive over to a buddy's house and we would be in the bush till like 10 o'clock at night. And we ended up spending a night in the bush one time. It was just, just fun things, I guess, for just things that I enjoyed growing up. Um, you know, as, as, uh, my family was, uh, you know, they were religious and, and Seventh-day Adventist. I grew up in an Adventist home. And so, you know, we always went to church on Sabbath. There wasn't a, a question of, you know, what were we going to do on Saturday? You know, well, we knew that, you know, we were going to church. That's just what we did. So obviously coming from a small town and, and having just relatives in the church, you know, when it comes to the age of finding, you know, a life partner, you know, where do you, where do you go when there's a church full of cousins, right? So you're not going to marry your cousin. Um, obviously, I knew that. So fortunately, there was a girl that had moved away uh, some years prior. She had moved back to, uh, to Hudson Bay and, and come to high school. And I was in my 12th grade and, and she was in grade 11. And, uh, and so this girl was actually a friend of, of my, one of my best friends, right? And uh, so when she came to town, uh, he phoned her up and said, hey, you know, do you want to get together, do something? And I happened to be actually with my buddy at the time. And anyways, we spent the afternoon together and, and um, you know, we ended up hitting it off. And today she's my wife. And so, yeah, so it, it turned, out, turned out well. So you were high school sweethearts? Yes, we were high school sweethearts. So Troy, you mentioned that you grew up in the church. Did it become your faith? And did you understand why you were going to church? You know, I just knew, like I said, every Saturday, you know, we just, we go to church. And, and obviously growing up and, you know, as a kid, you learn the Bible stories. And so, I mean, you know the Bible, you know what it teaches, you know the principles of it, but, um, you know, you don't really embrace it as your own. And, and, and it wasn't until uh, we had an evangelist come to Hudson Bay, uh, Victor Gill, I believe it was, and, and he did a revelation seminar. So that's where I, I learned about uh, the Lamb of God and, and you know, his substitutionary uh, sacrifice for us. And, and uh, actually, that was when I decided to give my life to the Lord through baptism. And I was, I believe I was 17 or 18. I would have to do the math. But, but um, 
yeah, that's when it became real to me. And I, I really understood what God actually did for me by, you know, his sacrifice on the cross. And um, it was at that moment that I, yeah, I decided to give my life to the Lord. So, Troy, once you were baptized, did you feel like God had a plan for your life? You know, I, I knew God had a plan for my life because God has a plan for everyone's life. But I didn't know what that was. And uh, my buddy was actually enrolling in Millwright, uh, industrial mechanics. And so I thought, hey, why not? I'll, I'll try that out too. Because I, I liked working with my hands and, and doing things. So, so I enrolled in, in Millwright School and uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, we did welding and machining. So we started the machine shop and being 21 years old, uh, you know, we didn't have any money. And so um, my, my dad ended up uh, co-signing for the loans and, you know, he put up some land for collateral and obviously he, he believed in what we were doing. I hired my cousin to work for me. He was, he was a second year machinist, so he had a little bit more experience machining than, than I did just being a millwright. And uh, so we were, we were working on our first few jobs. Uh, we were excited, you know, to get going. Things were not going you know, obviously well, as you start a business, it takes time to get your feet on the ground. So just before you and Lynette got married, you had this machine shop in Hudson Bay that you were running and your cousin was helping you. But then something unexpected happened. Can you tell us about that? We started working on, on these hydraulic cylinders. Um, it was a piece of equipment from, from my cousin Skidder. And uh, taking apart these hydraulic cylinders, um, you know, sometimes they can, they can come apart easy and sometimes they can, you know, be a little bit more difficult. Uh, I took apart the first hydraulic cylinder um, by using compressed air and um, I, I give it a shot, of, a shot of air. I had all the retaining rings off and, and the cylinder just, it come out in my hand nice and slick. And I thought this was, this was quite easy. So I tried the second cylinder and the second cylinder is identical cylinders. And when I went to, to take it apart, the, the shaft extended and it come to the end where the gland is in the cylinder. But when I give it a shot of air, it wasn't coming. And so I thought, okay, a little bit more air, needs a little bit more air. And so you continue to, to, to give it air. And pretty soon, you know, this, this cylinder has got 95 pounds of, of air in it. And it was like a six inch cylinder. And so if you multiply that out, it's like 2,600 pounds per square inch of force that, that, that comes out of that cylinder. Uh, well, that cylinder finally uh, gave way. And when it did it, it hit me in the, uh, in the stomach. And so, you know, it, it pushed everything up into my chest cavity. Um, you know, I fell to one knee, I got up and my cousin looked at me and he said, do you do we have to go to the hospital? And I said, no, just let me catch my breath. And as I was catching my breath, I realized that, you know what, there's something seriously wrong. And there was a lot of pressure there. It was, it was like a cannonball hitting you in the stomach. Yeah. Like throwing everything up. But you, I mean, you're feeling this and a second before you're, everything's fine. And so after it hits you, it hits you quick, so quickly, you don't even, Hey, no passage of time. You're fine. But it wasn't just shortness of breath. No, it wasn't. In fact, there was quite a bit of internal damage done and, and we didn't realize that until 
till I got to the hospital and, and they, you know, they cut my, my, my coveralls off and, and they prepped me to, to fly out to Saskatoon. And when I flew out to Saskatoon, um, when I arrived to Saskatoon, my, my mom and my aunt were waiting at the hospital for me. And, you know, as, as I was flying, I could, I noticed my stomach, you know, it just kept getting larger and larger. And so I knew something was really wrong. And, you know, when you're laying there in that state, you're, you're wondering, you know, obviously you're praying, you know, you know, you don't know what's going on. And, you know, the thought crossed my mind, you know, what am I doing? Right. Is this really God's plan for my life? You know, to start a machine shop and, and, um, you know, I, I was questioning myself, you know, am, am I running from God? Um, but the funny thing is we, sometimes we just continue doing what we're doing because it's easy, right? And so uh, we ended up getting to the, the hospital. Uh, my mom and aunt were waiting there and they rushed me in and, and prepped me for, for surgery. And uh, I remember the last thing that the, the doctor told me, he said that you, you might come out with a, a bag me. So I wasn't in the situation to argue with them. So, um, so I, I come out of surgery. When I come out of surgery, um, praise God, I, I didn't have a bag and, and uh, everything was well. I, you know, my stomach was stapled. Uh, I can't remember, 40 some staples. And, and uh, they just, they just cut me, went around my belly button and, you know, cut me wide open, they, they pulled everything out, cleaned it up, put it back in, everything, they couldn't have done a better job. But as uh, I was laying in bed, uh, I was quite, and I never had an accident like this before, so I didn't know what what to expect for, you know, the amount of pain that one would be in in, in a situation like this. And so I was in quite a bit of pain and they had given uh, a button to push as soon as you you know needed the pain medication and so i was pushing it and nothing was really helping uh the only thing that was kind of odd was i was i was starting to get itchy and um like like my back especially and so i would i would ask Lynette, Lynette, can you scratch my back and so she was she was scratching my back so hard uh, that it was just leaving welts on my back and but it felt so good, like when she scratched, but it was just welting my back. And so she had, was questioning the doctors, uh, the nurses, like, do you think that he could be allergic to, to the medication? Like I was allergic to penicillin when I was, when I was young, right? And so she was asking about the, the, the morphine medication and they, they didn't think that it was an issue. And so she, uh, she was getting hungry and, and so she jumped in the elevator and she went down to the cafeteria to, to get a bite to eat. And as she was in the, the um, elevator, she heard over the intercom. Code blue, room 305, all doctors to the ER. And she said she knew right away that it had to have been me. And so, so she come right back up to, to the room and they were trying to get her into a, a quiet room. And, and she wasn't having that. She said, no, I know what happens in a quiet room. And so, so she talked her way into, into the room. And so she, she was able to get into the room and she, she I don't, I didn't know this. Uh, she was rubbing my, my foot and she's, you know, calling my name. And, and I'm, she said, I'm, I was staring right through her. Um, it turns out that I, I was allergic to, to the morphine and my body started shutting down. And um, so 
once Lynette got back into to the room and, and they give me a shot of adrenaline. And I remember, like it was yesterday, I, I, I sat up in bed and, and I, I thought I was dreaming. Uh, you know, there was a light, you know, they had the light in my face. And I sat up and I, and I looked out and I saw Lynette surrounded by, you know, a few nurses. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I, I said to myself, oh, I must be dreaming. And I just, I just laid right back. I went back to sleep. I, I, there was no audio sound. I, I, like I say, I could just see her there. And I was happy and I, I laid back down. The second shot of adrenaline that they gave me, uh, my audio came back. And so when I, I opened my eyes, you know, they had the, the light in my face and I started hearing what they were saying. And they were, they were saying, you know, stop breathing. And, you know, so they started going through all the things that, that they were doing. And I, I realized at that moment that they were actually talking about me. And so it was at that, that moment that I'm like, I have to tell myself to keep breathing, right? I realized the, the, the situation and how severe it was and, and how close to, to death I was. I said a short prayer to the Lord and I, I just said, Lord, if if you have something else in mind for me, you know, um, show me what that is. Uh, but I said, I, I said to him, I said, uh, if you save my life, um, basically a second chance, right? If you save my life, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. Um, we were planning on getting married in two months. And so, you know what, uh, the Lord was good. He answered my prayer. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, it was eight days later. I was out of the hospital. Uh, we went to taco, taco time and I got the hot sauce and tested out how well the doctor did on my stomach and, and everything was 100%. And so we returned back to Hudson Bay and, you know, once I had uh, recovered from, from the injury, uh, back working at the shop and and it was three and a half years later that uh, I just felt that, you know, maybe there's something else the Lord has for me. And uh, I said to Lynette, you know, I, I just feel like the Lord maybe is calling us into the ministry. So we we uh, packed up our vehicle and, and I don't even know what the circumstance was, but we ended up out at, at Berman, or it was CUC at the time. We took a trip out to CUC and we toured the campus and, you know, everything looked great. And then we started looking for housing and housing was through the roof. And so we turned around and we went back to Hudson Bay and continued on our life machining and welding and, you know, life as usual. It was probably close to seven years and, uh, you know, I felt that feeling again but it wasn't until there was a few signs that that things were happening troy you were looking for a sign from god and that, that's understandable i mean gideon looked for a sign he asked god for a sign you were looking for a sign you didn't really know you were looking for a sign but you you felt like you were running from god but he sent you three signs and they were obvious to you tell us about those three signs yeah you know like you say, I didn't realize that we were actually looking for three signs until things started happening. Uh, the first thing that, that happened to me was uh, I was working in, uh, in the industry and there was a, a heavy door that uh, had to get put back up into place after working on uh, this piece of equipment. And uh, 
as I was, uh, we were putting this door up, um, I went to, to reach in and, and pull a chain out uh, of this door and uh, the piece of equipment had, had slipped and that the, the door slammed shut and, it, and it, um, it actually crushed this finger. I didn't realize I, I pulled my hand out and my, my finger was hanging there, my bone was sticking out and I, I stuck my hand back in, in the glove and I, I made my way to the parking lot, drove myself to the hospital. And, um, you know, we were sent to Saskatoon uh, once again and, and, you know, they, they repaired my, my finger. So that was sign number one. Uh, the second thing that happened was, it wasn't that long after. In fact, my, my, my finger wasn't even healed up. I, we had it uh, in, in gauze and it was just a, a big ball on the end of my, my, my finger. I had a, a pin in, in my finger that went to the about the middle of my, my hand and uh, I was doing some uh, just a small job and um, I was bending some pieces of rebar and I had a, a square tubing locked in the vise and I would stick the rebar in and I had another piece of square tubing that I'd slide over and I would just bend basically hooks right and so I, I had 80 of these hooks to do and I was, I was going through them and I got 60 some of them done and didn't realize, but the, the piece in the vise was working loose, working itself loose. And I think probably I wasn't able to tighten the vise enough because of my, my hand was still uh, damaged. And when I was, I was doing a, a bend and giving it the final, you know, push, uh, the whole thing popped out of the vise and uh, it ended up hitting me right in the mouth. Now it didn't like it didn't touch my lips or anything. I I must have been smiling as I was working. I don't know, but it, it sheared two of my teeth uh, teeth off. It it just broke them. It's miraculous. It didn't hit you in your head anywhere and hurt you. I mean, could could have been life threatening. Yeah, like it could have could have done a lot of damage. And it, it and you know just hard enough just to break both of those teeth. And so we found ourselves driving to Swan River, Manitoba to, to get, uh, you know, my teeth root canaled. And on the way there, um, you know, I'm talking with Lynette and, and you know, we're, we're saying to ourselves, you know what, um, the Lord has something, got to have something different for us. Like, you know, how many more signs do we need? Like this was, this was sign number two. Um, you know, she was on the phone with her mom and, and her mom's like, you know, you guys better start listening. You know, I don't, I'm scared of, you know, what's coming next. So that night we, we get home, it's late. Uh, we just crawl into bed, shut the light off. And there's a, there's a moment of silence. And I, I didn't realize that Lynette was, was praying, but, uh, we had just gotten into bed and, and I was pulling my hand out from underneath, uh, the sheets of the, the bed and, the the pin in my finger had a little hook on the end well it it caught on a thread uh, under the blanket and when i pulled my hand out i just felt the sensation um in go through my hand and and i realized that uh when i i felt with my other hand that my pin was missing and i pulled that that pin out of my hand and i said to lynette i said you're not going to believe this and remember, she was, I didn't realize she was praying. And she said, and she goes, what? I go, I just pulled the pin out of my finger. So we, we had just got home, you know, and now we have to turn around and go back to the hospital. She said, she said, I can't believe it. She said, I was, 
I was just praying for another sign. She said um, from God that, you know, if you give me another clear sign, she said, I'll start packing our bags tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we're going to head to, to CUC. It was, it was a, um, it was a Christian university in Alberta, in Lacombe. It's now called uh, Berman University. And uh, it, that's, what, that's actually what happened. Like she prayed that prayer and we got the third sign. She started packing the next day and we made our decision that, you know what, um, that was it, we were gonna go. Uh, no matter what, there was nothing gonna stop us. When, when we look back, we just say, you know, we can see that the Lord has led the whole way. And, you know, sometimes we just, we just fight it. You know, like Jonah, like you said, you know, we run from God and, and uh, sometimes we should just, you know, be still and, and, and just listen and a little bit sooner than what we do. So, Pastor Troy, you've been in the ministry now for more than 10 years here in Regina. Can you tell us what has been the most toughest thing in the ministry and also the most joyful thing for you? Yeah, for sure. You know, there's lots of things that, that, that happen. But I have to say the most, the hardest thing that I've done uh, in these 10 years is, uh, is actually burying my, my one of my best friend's daughters at the age of 14. Um, she was the same age as Emma, my, my, one of my daughters. And uh, I, we got the call. We were actually going to Hudson Bay and, uh, for the weekend. Uh, and I, was, I wanted to phone him. My, Lynette says, can you phone uh, Dion, my, my friend, and uh, ask him if we can use the, the quad for the weekend we were going up. We wanted to do some quadding. And I got to Malville. We fueled up with fuel and... I phoned my sister and she was just bawling and she, I guess my, my friend was out quadding with his daughter and uh, we went for a wiener roast, they were coming back and uh, the, it happened right in front of him, uh, he was waiting for, for them and, and the quad flipped right, right in front of him and, and landed on her. and. Um, took her life and uh, so he he asked me to do the service and that was that was the toughest thing I had to do yeah but um, the thing that was really joyful um, the best thing that I've done so far and uh, probably we'll have an opportunity one more time, but is uh, I was able to give my daughter away in marriage. It was an honor, you know. Um, you know, we raise our children, and and to that point where they're ready for you know starting their own family, and uh, so yeah, I was able to do the service and 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 give her away, and Lynette and Lynette and I were. We're very proud to do that. Yeah, it was it was a it was a moment that we really enjoyed. Try final question. Um, if there's someone who's feeling right now like they're running away from God, mm. what would you say to them? 
well, just from my experience, you know, you you can't outrun God. You know, like you know, we shared with Jonah. You know, Jonah, there was no running away from God. You can't hide from God. And when you feel God, God calling you, um, you know, just just stop to listen to that still small voice, and um, you know, you can probably avoid a lot of <laughs> a lot of incidences in my case right i if i would have listened sooner you know i probably would still have uh, you know my digit would still work and you know i wouldn't have five fake teeth in the front of my mouth and uh, but uh, i would just say you know just listen to that voice and um, you know pray about it and uh, take it serious because god is serious if he calls you uh, he's not going to give up he's a pursuer and uh, he'll pursue you until you're you're ready. Yeah. Troy, we've come to the end of our time together. I wonder if you could pray for someone, maybe there's someone who's feeling like they're running away from God, to pray that they will understand you can't outrun God and especially outrun His love for you because He has something more joyful for you than you are running away from. Can you pray for us? Sure. Let's borrow it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you that you never give up on us. And Lord, no matter how many times you call and how many times we reject that calling, Lord, we know that you are, are waiting, standing at the door, knocking at the, the, the door of our heart. And Lord, I know that there may be somebody out listening to this, this, this um, message lord that uh, is running from god and they need to listen to to god's calling and understand that that god's love for us is is greater than we can even imagine and uh, he only wants the best for us and i want to thank you lord for leading me into the ministry and I, I i pray lord that that as you continue to knock on the hearts of those who who you wish to be in ministry lord that they will hear and answer that calling I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor Troy, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada. Well, thank you guys for, for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. Friends, as Troy said, he didn't really know why he was going to church until he studied the Bible for himself. Our free offer is our Bible study guides. These Bible study guides will help you to learn what the Bible teaches and how the Bible has verifiable answers to life's existential questions, including God's will for your life. Practical answers that make sense and will give you assurance for the present and the future. Before you go, we would like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life found in the words of Jesus when he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.